We started a new series uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was on heroes and villains. I'm looking at the best and the worst of humanity, and particularly the best and the worst, I guess, of Bible characters and their humanity. And I think it's so important that we don't just look at the great aspects of people in the Bible. This is one of the funny things about people in the Bible. And it's probably one of the indicators to me of the inspiration of the Bible, because so much of what we read about some of these characters was written in a time when kings killed people for saying things about them they didn't like. And yet the Bible, (laughs) rather than just a redressed history that pretties everything up for those in power, tends to tell the raw truth about the characters. And I think it's so important that we understand that, that there were paradoxes in the lives of people that we even aspire to be like and people who inspire us. Uh, Otherwise, they become unrelatable. Somehow they become unattainable, untouchable. They're like far distant and removed from the problems that I actually face day to day. But when you actually look at them in their totality, you begin to relate to them and realize, wow, God was using real people. You know, Bible characters weren't special people. Mm. They became special in the sense as they yielded their lives to God. And God's Spirit did amazing things through them in the same way that he can do with us. Yet, no matter how much God moved in them, it didn't remove the fact that they were human. And we've always got to remember that because sometimes our humanity, we're tempted to give up because of our humanity when when it shows up unexpectedly sometimes. Remember I started the series with the song. I still haven't found what I've been looking for And uh, it's funny because uh, I never even contemplated this, but Dennis Waldridge texted me that song. He texted me last Sunday morning and said, oh, I can hear you singing on the radio. And I had one of those, no, moments. It was never meant to go too far. But anyway, ended up on our podcast and now I'm a radio star apparently. So I am still expecting the call from you too. The The moment Bono signs off, I'm just waiting for the call. So... There we go. But the whole thought of that song was, you know, it's a song that traces, you know, the, the peaks of human experience, of ecstasy, of, you know, of, of uh, having something so precious in your heart that you will climb the highest mountain, uh, of experiencing, uh, you know, romantic love on the highest level, of even experiencing a born-again experience with Jesus Christ, but somehow in spite of all of those peaks we can still find ourselves with something not quite complete. The human experience, this side, can I say this side of heaven, if I could put it that way, this side of our actual face-to-face connection with God, there is always something just incomplete. And we see it in Bible characters. So we're going to go there today. And uh, uh, where am I going to be? Uh, we all live with paradox in our own lives, don't we? The front row does. What are those paradoxes, boys, just by the way? No, 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 no. Because whenever you talk about this stuff, it's funny. People sit there with bated breath. And it's like everyone's, start, everyone's like, I, I, I need to remain expressionless. 
because you're not talking about me, maybe. Um, but we all live with paradoxes. It's a really, really funny thing. Life can be so full and complete, yet lacking all at the same time. Yeah. We can, in our humanity, be absolutely brilliant and absolutely terrible yeah. all in the same 24 hours. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? We're a little bit like, sometimes we can be like the masterpiece, a thousand-piece jigsaw of the Mona Lisa with only one piece missing. Problem is, it happens to be the end of her nose. And so you look at the whole picture, and no matter how brilliant the whole picture is, you tend to be drawn to what's lacking. Isn't that so true? And so we're going to look at heroes and villains, and of course the paradox is the hero is the villain. And today I want to look at David, King David, uh, because he's a beauty to look at like this. And... uh, uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Let me get to it. Thank you. <laughs> David, the hero. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And this is a repeat of an Old Testament verse. I'm speaking it out of the New Testament, and we'll see why a little bit later on. And it says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. This is during Stephen's speech. He got stoned for it. He made David their king. God testified concerning him, I found David, the son of Jesse. Listen to it. We all love this phrase. A man after my own heart. And he will do everything I want him to do. (laughs) And we all know, if you know David's story, there's a little bit, there seems to be a contradiction there. But we, we totally gel with that, don't we? I mean, ever since I've been a young Christian, that verse has meant something to me. It's like, if I want to be anything, I want to be a man after God's own heart. And I'm sure every lady here dedicated to Christ, every girl is like, I want to have a heart after my God. This is what we aspire to on the highest level. And here's David. The Bible says it of him. Come on, aren't you a little bit jealous? Just a little bit. Wouldn't you like the Bible to say that about you? An inspired, a writer, as human as they are, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying you're a man after God's own heart. And not only that, you're going to do everything God wants you to do. The problem with our humanity is sometimes we do things he doesn't as well. (laughs) Just as well. It's funny, it's not mutually exclusive. Just because you do what God wants you to do doesn't mean you're not going to do some things God doesn't want you to do. But often we think and we look at Bible characters like perfection and we only see them in that. So what a statement. So let's look at some things that made David, you know, brilliant. The hero. He's a giant slayer. You can't go past that. Is that true? What comes to mind with David? Well, it's where it all began. 1 Samuel 17. In those days, Goliath would stand up and shout at the Israelite army every morning and every evening. And he did that for 40 days. Man, that'd wear you out. One day, Jesse said to his son, David, here's a large bag of wheat grains that I've cooked. And here are 10 loaves of bread. Take these quickly to your older brothers in Saul's army. Also take these 10 cheeses to the officer who leads their group of soldiers. Find out whether your brothers are well and bring something back to me to show how they are. I love this. This is where David begins. This is the beginning. David's servant heart. He's the shepherd boy. He's been called in out of the field. He's going to be sent up to the battle where this giant is oppressing the people of Israel and intimidating them. And his first job 
is this a pizza delivery boy. I love it. I mean, there's no way in the world anyone who's been to Italy cannot put bread and cheese together and that doesn't equal pizza. And so this is David, humble beginnings. I mean, we talk about the humble shepherd boy, but this is even more humble, leaving the sheep. And he goes up to the battle and, of course, a number of events transpire. And, uh, and this is where we end up in 1 Samuel 17, verse 48. Goliath started to move nearer to David. David's gone out onto the battlefield to attack him. So Goliath's on the warpath. And David ran quickly, not away, but towards Goliath to fight against him. And David reached into his bag and he took out a stone. He put the stone in his sling and he threw it. The stone hit Goliath's head and uh, uh, right above his eyes. In other words, he got him right between the eyes. And Goliath saw daylight for the first time in a long time. It went in very deep and Goliath fell down on his face to the ground. And we won't go where David goes, but David grabs his sword, chops his head off. He eventually ends up carting Goliath's head back to the city and it's like it's a phenomenal story I mean it's just not for people nowadays you know what I mean like this these are hints that times were different back then and so here he is he's knocked off the giant and of course he's an absolute hero it's not just the giant that falls but when all of his compadres see that someone's actually got the guts to take this on they all rise up they all charge and they win the whole battlefield that day and it all began with a shepherd turned pizza delivery boy shout out to uh, uber eats drivers i mean the whole world you have fed the world in this last season so particularly if you live in melbourne i don't know how they do that anyway uh He's gone from that to creating a revival and delivering a nation from a nation that was determined to enslave and oppress. So this is David. I mean, you cannot get H-E-R-O. You can't get any other answer out of that story, can you? That is what he is. He's absolutely a hero, he's a giant slayer. And I love this, faith breaks the power of intimidation. That's what you see with David. And I I don't know, sometimes we feel so intimidated, we feel so pressed down by our circumstances, by by, uh, situations that are unfolding, things beyond our control. We're pretty familiar with that now, aren't we? But sometimes it's even the voice in your own head. Faith breaks the power of of intimidation some of our problems we need to stop running away from and start running toward and break the power of intimidation David did it and became an absolute national hero but it didn't stop there let's look at something else that we're pretty familiar with I know these stories aren't new hope they feel a little bit fresh today but David the dancer David the dancer I've always loved this passage too 2 Samuel 6 and says, David, ceremonially, ceremonially dressed in priest's linen, danced with great abandon before the Lord or before God. The whole country was with him. Now, that's an amazing sight. Think about it. That is one big mosh pit. Uh, definitely pre-COVID. We're talking pre-COVID. And so here they are. And as he accompanied the chest of God with shouts and trumpet blasts, that's, that's what he was doing, he's dancing. But as the chest of God came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, 
happened to be looking out a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing, leaping and dancing with great abandon before God, her heart filled with scorn. David returned home to bless his family, going down to verse 20. And Michael, Saul's daughter, which, who incidentally was also his wife, okay, she came out to greet him. And I think there's a certain amount of sarcasm in greet him. Um, how wonderfully the king has distinguished himself today, exposing himself to the eyes of the servant's maids, like some burlesque street dancer. Don't you love the message translation? <laughs> Don't you love it? But that's the way that she saw it. It was like, you, you're just a vulgar man. Now, here's David. He's just letting it all hang out, I guess. I don't know. But it's like, that was not in the notes, okay. But, but David is like spinning and leaping and whirling, unrestrained in heart, worship. And then he comes home. Have you ever just done your best for God and doesn't ever seem to be good enough for the people around you? <laughs> and so here's David. He walks into his house and smack, he walks right into. And isn't it interesting? It's the people that are closest to you that can hurt you the most, yeah. that can shut you down the most. And David experiences that. Poor old Dave. Here he is. You know, David's so excited. He's got his back straight. He's got his head out. He's got his lips purged. He's got the moves like Jagger. He's, do, he's doing the whole thing. And then he gets nailed for it when he gets home. And I love David's response. Because um, uh, David basically says, you know, what I did, I did for God. I just let it all hang out for God. He's recorded in Scripture there. Every worship leader loves that passage because they love to get us moving. And there is something, can I just say to us today, just as an aside, but there is something, I've always believed that when you meet Jesus, what he does in your heart at some point should hit your face. You know, and it can hit your hands in a certain way. Clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. I'll lift up holy hand. There are things that we can do when something is happening on the inside and it's okay. It's okay to raise your voice. It's okay to clap your hands. It's okay to lift your hands to heaven. I reckon we should practice some of that. Because to tell you the truth, I look across some days and I think, I think we're losing some of that. Some of that passion, if we're not careful, because we do things so, I do think we do things very, very well up here, but this is not a stage. We very intentionally don't call it a stage because this is not about performance. This is a platform because it's about communication. That's all it is. It's just a platform to communicate off. But when we worship, it is the church worshiping, not Christians watching a Christian concert. That is not what it's meant to be. And I think, I fear sometimes we do it so well that we are tempted to spectate. Can I encourage us? Dance like David danced. I I don't know what song we were going to do at the end of this, but I think it should rock. (laughs) I I think we should be able to just, it should do something to us. (laughs) Make me want to move my feet. Because David was a hero And he was a worshipping hero. I love it. Can you relate anything to David? Anything at all? Okay. Well, then maybe you relate to David the villain as well. 2 Samuel chapter 11. 
This is from the easy translation, which I love it too. One evening, David got out of bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman who was washing herself. She was taking a bath and she was very beautiful. And David sent a servant to ask who she was. And someone said, well, she's Eliam's daughter, Bathsheba, and she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, someone recently pointed this out to me, but just how brilliant was that servant? Because here's David objectifying her. And what the servant does is try and, you know, he's talking to a king. So you've got to be a little bit gentle. But he's trying to actually personify her again. He's actually not saying, yeah, she's a beautiful woman. (laughs) He's saying, actually, she's someone's daughter. And she's someone's wife. That's who she is. And, uh, and yet David, in his humanity, steamrolls all over that. Then David sent servants. It doesn't say that servant, because I don't reckon that servant would have done it. Then he sent servants to fetch her. Just listen to that language even. How demeaning. To fetch her. And she came to him and he slept with her. And I don't know whether any of you have ever been able to read that story or hear that story. When you know who David is and you, know, and you think back to that shepherd pizza delivery boy who rose up to deliver a nation and become king, who worshipped with all his might. Man, he was the hero of heroes. And against that backdrop, you cannot read this story without going, Oh, David! You dummy. Or maybe like me when I heard that I was on the radio. No! But there is this like slow motion unfolding where you're like, no, not you. You're the man after God's own heart. And here you are displaying humanity at its lowest. Can never read it without thinking, Absolute disaster because contrary to what popular culture, popular movies portray today, and I've had a little bit of experience in this over the years talking to people and trying to help people pick up pieces, nothing good comes from infidelity. Nothing does. You know, our popular culture might say you can get away with it and you should have what you really want and blah, blah, blah. I don't care how you rephrase it, the wages of sin is always death. Those kind of actions always catch up with you. And you see it in David's life and it went generationally, generation after generation of destruction until his family literally imploded. That was the results for David. And so you see David as the, the hero from obscurity rising up, the courage, the sacrifice... Everything that day was, the openness, the extravagance in worship, all of that. And then you just see this dark side of human nature that gets him. You think, oh, man. But I tell you what, it helps you relate to him. (laughs) Imagine if that story wasn't in it. It'd be like David would be the impossible, unattainable place to go. But instead what the story tells us is you can have a heart for God, but it doesn't mean you don't have a human heart. 
because sometimes we see these things as mutually exclusive. He's going to do all the will of God. That's true, but it doesn't say he's not going to mess up. He's going to do what God tells him to do, but he's still going to be human. He's got a heart after God. Yes, but it doesn't remove his human heart. He's still got one of those two. And, you know, and in a sense, this is in no way lowering the bar. Please don't get the wrong message that, hey, it's okay, I'm just happy with my problems. No, we should always be, you know, moving towards wholeness and being everything that God has created us to be. But I tell you what, it does help you to understand how to wrestle with yourself a bit and not to give up on yourself when you do have some of those darker moments and you prove yourself to be human. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is us. We find us the most difficult person to, uh, to forgive. And what we see in David is so human. It's called dualism. He was dualistic. What that literally means is divided into two opinions, divided into two beliefs, divided, just divided. <laughs> I love God with all my heart. <laughs> I also like the girls. And it's like dualism, and he actually broke his life with it. And it's a life of extremes, from courage, self-sacrifice, extravagant worship, to destructive human behaviour. And, and the reality is we all live with our old selves, don't we? Our old self, yeah. the pre-Jesus self. <laughs> and even if you knew Jesus as a child... You've still got someone else who tags along with you at times. And I'm convinced that people who act like they don't, well, that's called self-righteousness, but people who act like they don't have that little bit of a darker side, they just aren't examining themselves deeply enough. We all have it. And, and look at David. Position didn't change it. Being given all the power in the world did not change that. Power could not outrun it. As a matter of fact, it was the power that he was given that allowed him to exploit the dark side. And then here's another, this is a real paradox, the anointing didn't save him either. There is no doubt he was anointed, three times he was anointed. There was no doubt he was anointed as a shepherd boy. He was anointed when he came to, to lead Judah. And then seven and a half years later, when he led all of Israel, the rest of the 10 tribes, he was anointed once again. He was triply anointed. Most anointed man in the Bible. And it didn't actually save him from his own humanity. Come on, folks. There's got to be a lesson in this for us. Uh, and, and, you know, part of it is cutting ourselves some slack and part of it is, you know, never, never turn your back on your own nature. We remain very human in spite of our own propaganda on Instagram. This is the paradox of having a foot in heaven and a foot on this earth. And every one of us, I think, understands what that feels like. If we're honest with ourselves, we all live with some contradictions in our lives. And, and this is why I read the God's own heart scripture from the New Testament. This God's own heart paradox, as I said, doesn't mean that he no longer had a human heart. And when you look at David, you know, I, I love it that the New Testament is still calling him. Post everything. 
New Testament writer inspired by the Holy Spirit, knowing very, very well all of David's story already, well recorded by that stage, still picks up the verse that says he's a man after God's own heart and points people to him. It's all pretty amazing. What, what it really says is that God will work through imperfect people. Yeah. And even David's degree of brokenness, it, it didn't totally disqualify him. I think that there's a lot of things in our world now that do disqualify you in the eyes of man, and maybe rightfully so. There are things that, well, you do that, you're going to mess your life up and it's going to hang around for a long time. Things with legal implications. But you know, when it comes to God, God is always so willing to forgive and restore and continue to move through. And you look at David, you know, he went on to basically raise all the resources for the building of the temple, handed over to Solomon, put the ball right on the chest of Solomon. So he built a glorious house the first temple in Jerusalem. God wasn't finished with David. But but David's foibles definitely broke his back and the strength. And that's something that we can never turn our back on. We need to recognize, hey, I'm not abnormal because I've got my foibles, but I'm not going to surrender to them. Because in surrendering to them, it can really hand grenade my life in many, many painful ways ways we can with all the forgiveness in the world we can never get away from the fact that the wages of sin is death and that destruction is not just it's not necessarily just an eternal thing it begins right here you end up reaping the results of poor decisions come on who's worked that one out but i just love the fact that god wasn't finished with him i'm sure god loved that that little boy that went out and faced that giant, God's heart would have been this large. When David danced and whirled before the, the, the ark as they brought it back to Jerusalem, I'm sure God's heart was like this. But even in David's pain and his brokenness, and I've got no doubt that God's heart was like, oh no! But still, had an incredible heart. Yeah. Restored him, spoke to him, led him on a, on a journey of restoration. And the New Testament writers pick it up and refuse to say anything less of David than he was a person after God's own heart. How about you? Can you see yourself in the story? Let me ask you just a couple of questions and then we finish. What obscurity or glass ceiling do I need to push through to make a positive impact? on the world for Jesus. I mean, for David, he's from pizza delivery boy to king. I mean, he pushed through a lot of obscurity, a lot of probably, but what's in your path? What's stopping you from making an impact on your world for Jesus? What sort of intimidation or what sort of obscurity? Often we say, if I got the right job, if I got that, if I was married to the right person, then I'd do something great for God. No, you need to start as a pizza delivery boy. And start making an impact right there. That's where David began. Second question is, are there areas in my life and potential that are currently being limited by a fear of people around me? What people might think, what people might say, what people might post. Am I going to let giants of of this age 
intimidate me out of rising to what God has truly placed in my heart? We've all got to ask that question. We've all got to answer that question. And can I encourage you that God is with you. When you move in courage and you sail toward the storm, you run toward your giant, God will be with you because God wants you to break containment, break intimidation and bring freedom just like David, not just to you. It's never just about you. With David, it was never just about him and the giant and him becoming king. It was about the whole nation getting free. And whenever we stand up and we determine to push back a barrier, we push back on intimidation, we get a spirit of faith that rises up. Everyone around us begins to see it and experience it and rise up with it. That was underwhelming response. Come on, overwhelm me. Come on, when you rise up in faith, people around you get faith to go after their dream too. And lastly, when do I feel disqualified or where do I feel disqualified by past failure? Here's some other questions that go with it. Can I believe God's forgiveness is enough to cover it? Will I pick myself up? And dust myself off. You know, maybe right now you can relate to it and go, well, I got knocked down. I haven't got up yet. Well, I'm asking you, will you do that? Can I accept the fact that God is still with me on my worst day? On my worst day, God is still with me. Because he is. He was still with David through all the pain. And he brought David out the other side. A very painful journey, but he brought him out. Friend, God's got that for you. And this is why we call David a hero. Is David a hero? Is David a villain? Is David a bit like all of us? (laughs) I think he is. Why don't we stand? Let's stand. Thank you, Father. Hey, let's just pray together. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, I, I just pray that we would move forward. That's what it's all about recognizing there's some things that are great about us, there's some things that we need to work on, but that the main thing is to just keep moving forward, to never let life or failure or mistake bury us in a rut, but to just continue to rise up and go forward and rise up and go forward and bring glory to your name. So I pray for those of us who are really struggling with that, maybe people who who fell down at some point and have not yet gotten back up, I pray you to inspire their spirit, breathe into their heart, the heart of David, the heart of a warrior that will run towards the giant in Jesus' name. For those of us who are intimidated by different situations, the same thing, that we would run towards, sail toward the storm, run toward the pain, whatever it is, and see your power at work. See a miracle where we break containment In Jesus' name, we open our hearts to you, Father. And this morning, you know, if you're here in the room or with us online and and you've never connected your life to the life of God, I've said it pretty plainly, in spite of our brokenness, God is for us. God is always there reaching out to us and you can reach right back out to him right where you are. Last moments of this service. You can open your heart, say, Jesus... I need you in my life. Whatever that means, I need you in my life. And friend, uh, I want to encourage you. Get a hold of a Bible uh, in the Connect Hub out out here at the the, uh, barrels we've got in the foyer. 
online, get a hold of a Bible, begin to talk to some leaders that are going to talk to you and get going on your journey with Jesus. Amen. Amen. You doing okay? You okay with your humanity? Just don't get too okay with it. Let God change it. Thanks, sir.